the Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my God, that's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome into the Action Network podcast. We are presented by FanDuel. This is the Week 9 NFL Recap and Monday Night Football Preview episode just after midnight on the East Coast because the Chiefs decided to mess around and not take care of their crap for almost that entire football game that was almost 70 minutes at Arrowhead Stadium. We have 11 games to recap. That's the good news. Six uh, teams on the bye week this week. Brandon Glasheen, your host, with Brandon Anderson and Joe Gallant. I'll just get the uh, elephant out of the room or whatever that phrase is. I am under a blanket recording in a apartment lobby for sound checking purposes. So thank you all for sticking with us, as always, on the Action Network podcast. We're not going to waste any time. We're going to recap these games, get set for Monday Night Football, and we're also going to get the hot read from Brandon Anderson before we go. So why don't we start with Tennessee and Kansas City? Because if they're going to make us wait all that time, I guess we'll just get them out of the way. Brandon Anderson, why don't you start us off? Kansas City finds a way at the end. They don't cover the spread. Tennessee hangs in there. Mike Vrabel, man, is a dog. He just likes to hang around. 2017, the final in overtime. The Chiefs get there, but the Titans cover the spread. RIP, my Titans plus 480 money line flyer that I took. Admittedly, I took hoping for Ryan Tannehill. Titans got the lead 14 to nine early on. Well, I guess about five minutes till half. Then I believe had one more first down the entire rest of the game after that because Malik Willis, not ready for prime time this one. He had five of 16 passing, 80 yards. And remember, 40 of those yards came on a screen on, I believe, his first pass play of the game. So otherwise, four of 15 for our man Malik with 32 yards. Not great on the Titans. But look, Mike Rabel, Derrick Henry, this is the script. Three-point or more underdog from my Rabel is now 20-7 and seven against the spread all time. So definitely a spot in the future to look out for with the Titans. But yeah, Mahomes, I thought, made MVP plays in this one. 17-9 late, Mahomes' legs. As it often happens, we've seen that like in the playoffs and Super Bowls too. The legs kept the plays alive. They got the long run. We got, I believe, a touchdown run and two-point conversion run on about the 400th try on the two-point conversion after all the penalties. And, yeah, Mahomes' leg did the, got the job done. 2017 Chiefs rushing, other than Mahomes, 13 rushes for 14 yards. Please, God, stop running the ball. Just let Patrick Mahomes do the thing. He's real good at it. So, yeah, this, though it was close, though it went all the way, the box score is just a complete blowout here. Chiefs, 29 to 9 first downs, 499 yards to 229. And this reminded me too, DeBundo and I were talking uh, just before the, we came on here. 91 plays the Chiefs were on the field for this game, only 48 for the Titans. Remember that Bills Dolphins one earlier mm-hmm. this year? And mm-hmm. we, wanted to, we wanted to fade the Dolphins after that. Well, these poor Titans were on for 91 plays. They're up against the Broncos next week who are on a bye week. So that is going to be a huge rest discrepancy. 
DeBondo was pointing out that one earlier. So that's a line to keep an eye on. You know who else got you know who else got arrested? That was Ryan Tannehill not having to play. So he'll be nice and fresh mm-hmm. playing the Broncos this week, hopefully. But the Titans, Brandon, they kind of took the uh the EPS soccer approach. Like get up a goal and let's or maybe even Italian league, like get up a goal and let's park the books, right? Like yep. uh, you know, Malik Willis, he was three of six passing at halftime. And the Titans scored two touchdowns. And how do they do that? Because Derrick Henry is still a tank. Um, most rushing touchdowns ticket that we uh, talked about at the beginning of the season uh, that I have in is alive and well now. Uh, I bet at preseason plus 1,000, probably plus 400 prior to tonight's game. Felt like he was going to get a third touchdown, but just didn't work out that way. But, uh, I mean, that back-breaking drive. Patrick Mahomes, again, like the you could feel the MVP swinging you know, as he converts that third 17 rush and rushes for a touchdown and then rushes for the point conversion. And pretty much, I want to say, swung the MVP vote, but it was also one of those things too where it was interesting to watch the Titans have this approach of, let's stop the run, let's stop the pass, let's make Patrick Mahomes beat us. Like, And it just <laughs> seemed like a very odd strategy, like bold strategy, Cotton kind of thing. So um, not a really a lot to take away from the Chiefs other than the fact that Patrick Mahomes, again, is magical when he wants to be and you can take all of his options but every once in a while he'll just take it upon himself and we saw that today when he cashed as a plus 500 touchdown scorer as well yeah, for, for a hot minute there we we had last season the titans against odds all season long became the one seed and for just a minute it looked like we we're gonna be right back there again halfway through the new season Ties as the one seed if they would have closed us out. Instead, it's Chiefs, and I think that will tie into our next game we're about to get to. Also, I really like the line by Chris Collinsworth at the end of the game. Like, let's see if this kid, Malik Wills, can deliver. And he had his struggles. That that offensive line had its struggles against that Chiefs pass rush. And we're going to get to this, I, I get a feeling, because Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, and Josh Allen – all have the same odds now on the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the MVP at plus 260, which leads us, of course, the Eagles play Thursday night. So this leads to Bills-Jets, which is a game that we wanted to spend some extra time on because the Bills lost to fall to 6-2, and two, which, Brandon, that opens a door for Kansas City to potentially sneak in now and get that number one seed, which, of course, includes a bye week. But how do you... Of course, you get the game itself, but now how do you compartmentalize all the all the other elements as a result of that loss to the Jets today? It really opens things up. We said after the Bills beat the Chiefs, what was that, maybe two weeks ago now, and the Bills mm-hmm. were up a full game on all three other division leaders because don't forget, Buffalo beat the Chiefs, they beat the Titans, they beat the Ravens. So they've got head-to-head wins and tiebreakers on all of those teams but, you know, only now you lose the game here. They're 6-2. and two. Only a half a game up in the division on two teams, the Jets and the Dolphins, who both beat them to head. So it, it is a rough spot for, for the Bills. Suddenly, what looked like they were going to be comfortable and coasting a little bit, not really so much. Uh, Buffalo 14-3 lead in this game against the Jets. You figured that probably would have been enough there, but uh, didn't, didn't quite get the job done. Josh Allen had two interceptions again this game. Not, not great. Josh Allen had, I believe, a couple interceptions last game as well. So for me, that's going to be the first takeaway is that Josh Allen, uh, speculative for now, we'll see. You probably will know more already as you're listening to this on Monday. But 
second to last play, I think he got that right elbow hit on a follow through. And there's some speculative uh, doctors and some of the folks online talking about a possible right elbow injury. USA Today had some reporting up about possibly. So if there's a sprain there, that could be out a couple of weeks. It could be out a month, something like that. We don't know yet, but I have my eye right now. I already have a play on the Vikings next week. This has an arbitrage because we're seeing lines at seven and a half, eight and a half, the bills. If Case Keenum comes in instead, that's obviously a massive drop off from Josh Allen, MVP Josh Allen. And even if Allen is just a lesser Josh Allen for a while, that changes a lot of things because look, when you're the MVP, you're the MVP because you do everything for the team. The bills don't really run that much. And what they do run is mostly Allen. So obviously you're going to run fine with your elbow. Uh, injured, but if if he's not what he's supposed to be, that changes the MVP race, that changes the division race, that changes the one seed, the title future. It all is up in the air. So we're gonna have to see what the injury picture shapes up as. But to me, that is the takeaway from from today as a whole. I should have made mention. Of course, you mentioned the head to head. That that is that is the tiebreaker. So the Bulls do have that to their advantage as it pertains to a one seed, Jill. Yeah, and I kind of find you don't you don't think Case Keenum can have a little revenge game spot here against the Vikings? Yeah, and Stone Diggs too. So yeah. I don't think I haven't thought about that already. So really, the big takeaway I think is just defense, man. They came to play like five sacks, two picks. Uh, Josh Allen had the lowest yardage passing for the, the for the season. He was eighteen for thirty four from the field. Uh, even though he ran for two touchdowns and, you know, still ran for over 80 yards, uh, just that offense is it's similar to the chiefs as well. Like it's kind of how I feel is like, sometimes their pants are just a little too fancy. Like, you know, it's like, they're trying to, you know, reinvent the wheel and try to like, would it keep it simple? And, you know, the bills in the second half are really starting to worry me as well. as just far as their long-term prospects. We talked about this after week five, that, through five games, they had only allowed seven points total in the second half. And in the last three games, they've allowed 30 points. And you're starting to see the second halves where their defense, just the attrition is starting to wear in. And another thing that's kind of worrying me as well is close games and what we're seeing with the Bills. Because uh, since the start of last season, this is the worst records with in one-score games. It's the Bears, Justin Fields, one and seven. You got Davis Mills at one, five and one. And sandwiched between Davis Mills and Trevor Lawrence at three and ten is Josh Allen and the Bills at two and seven now, and that's going to be a problem come playoff time because a lot of those games are going to probably be decided by one score. And you know, you're starting to look at uh, some of the divisional futures, like even Brandon, you talked about it, uh, the AFC East right now. All those teams have a winning record right now, like which is kind of incredible. It's the only division in the NFL that has that right now. Looking at some of the odds here at FanDuel, you know, you have the Bulls already at my 470, but the Jets are right behind them at plus 550 with Miami now at plus 2000. And then New England Patriots, nice little win over the Colts. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but they're sitting there at 24 to one. I'm really starting to dig this Miami team, even if their defense is just a little bit messy, just their offense and their upside, you know, sitting there at 20 to one, it's, it might be worth a sprinkle at this point. Yeah. I, uh, on Friday, futures Friday this week, two of a tag of Iloa, 80 to one MVP was my pick. And boy, feeling a lot better about that one after today, the dolphins snuck through it. Then you guys recall, I was a little worried about that one, but suddenly I certainly wasn't expecting a bill's loss here. 
that path to a one seed division, much better now. By the way, we haven't said much about the Jets here. Let's give the Jets credit too. Sauce Gardner had an interception, mm-hmm. defensive rookie of the year favorite. I saw that one book even paid out Sauce Gardner defensive rookie of the year bets already today, halfway through wow. the season. So congrats if you got that one. I looked this up, by the way. I heard the, the crew talking about biggest Jets win in a long time. So I looked up. Last two decades, as eight-point dogs or more, the New York football Jets were 1-23 and 23 straight off. Coming into today, they had lost 20 in a row. Obviously, they got the win here. And honestly, too, this is not a fluke. Like, let's give them credit. The defense was good. By looking at the stats, they, they played them straight up here. And Jets were 2-5 and five in the red zone, too. They fumbled inside the, the red zone. They settled for a field goal down to the two. The Jets could have won more here. So good win for them. And I know, too, now this is the second biggest upset of the season. And I saw a plus 410 money line, I think, plus 10.5 are on the close. Dogs of 7.5 or more this season are now 6-14 and 14 straight up. 43% ROI on the money line. So season of the underdog continues. That continues to trend in the right direction. May I add also, Brandon Anderson, that Tua is at plus 3,900 now to win MVP. Everything worked out well for you on that game. We'll get to that in yeah. just a few moments. Chargers-Falcons was actually a game that I looked at and said, oh, we have two competent football teams at this stage in the year. More so the Falcons. That's a big surprise. Coming off that miraculous, wacky game that we led off with on last Sunday night show. Chargers get there, though, 2017. L.A. gets there after a bye week. Brandon, they cover the minus two and a half spread. They covered if you bought today. If you bought yesterday, you pushed. I had Falcons at plus three from Saturday. If you had it early in the week, Falcons plus three and a half. So you might have actually got a Falcons win. So this was definitely one that mattered where you got the line. It's funny you build this as, hey, two competent teams because this was the goofiest, chargersiest ending of a game possible. We had Austin Ackler catch a pass and be falling down, make this honestly spectacular athletic play to in ones where you like flip and land on the defender and, and get on your feet without touching the ground and scamper for a touchdown. Then he got called back. They said his elbow was down. So they keep the drive going. They're basically now in field goal range, run the clock out and just kick the field goal. 17, 17, go for the win. Eckler fumbles and take Graham from the Falcons picks the ball up. If you have like Micah Parsons here, somebody a little faster that's a walk-off down going the other way. Like the Falcons win this disaster chargers outcome. Instead, my guy Graham, don't forget, I got Falcons plus three and money line here. He starts running down the sideline, straight up drops the ball. Like does not get stripped that I could tell. He just is not used to holding a football in his arms. Do not give this man a baby. It's going on the ground. Ball is on the ground. Chargers get the ball back at the 41, one pass, and then Dick the kicker comes on, kick the field goal. This was a rough one for me. The, the Falcons up 10 nothing. I think I saw Chargers the fourth, first quarter in a row. They've gotten double digits in, which is not the way you want to start. Brandon Staley and staff not doing great. Falcons ran for 200 yards. They really gave this one away, I thought. The Atlanta had a real chance here. There was a script. We got our Atlanta division odds. There was a script today where Atlanta closes this one out and that last Bucks play we'll get to doesn't happen. Atlanta is a, a big division winner. 
Instead, we're back to a four and five tie for the division favorite. But uh, I might have to look for Atlanta division still. This team in the right game is hanging around and the Falcons next. Carolina, Chicago, Washington, Pittsburgh. That is a winnable schedule for a team that, man, if they could just ditch Marcus Mariota, he was rough in this game. Give me some Desmond Ritter, and I think the Falcons can still make a push here. Yeah, the return of Cordero Patterson to boost that running game as well. He came off IR. Look back to the Falcons while they covered against Tampa. They had stole that game at Raymond James earlier in the season. We were having a much different discussion. Tampa coming into the week was minus 135 on FanDuel to win the division if you decided to take a look at it then. But Jill, uh, it looked like the Bucs were going to lose again today. But Tom Brady, with 55 seconds, takes him down the field, 60 yards. He's no Gronkowski, but Otten runs that little tight end route that Tampa – in, well, more not even Tampa, New England ran it too with Bronkowski, but Brady gets it done. He leads a touchdown game-winning drive. Tampa gets there against the Rams 16-13, so minus three does push. If you got two and a half, kind of similar discussion to the last game. You, you might have cashed in this game. Yeah, and Brandon, I think you summed this one up best on Twitter when you kind of said that it felt like watching this game was like visiting your grandparents at like a retirement home. And yeah, that that is legitimately how it felt. And Brady had to summon, you know, that geriatric magic that he still has converted when it mattered, man. Like he avoided the first four game losing streak of his career, not of his career. The last time was 2002 with the Patriots. But uh, this trend of the Bucks running game and just being non-existent is very worrisome. Like I still think that it's going to, burn them and it already has you know Brady threw it 58 times today like they only rushed it 20 times like that's 20 they're 28th overall in rush attempts like 31st in yards per carry the only problem is is that the Rams also rank in the bottom five in both of those categories and uh the Rams even though I personally think they're done in the NFC they're only one game back of a playoff spot right now because that's how bad the NFC is and uh and same thing for the Bucks they're still now tied with the the Falcons um for the division lead. And it's just hard to believe when you look at this matchup and how much they built this up, especially with the fact that it was only two games at the 4 p.m. Eastern window. And you figure the schedule makers are looking at this as like a, a higher profile matchup that we'll all just be glued to the, our TVs to watch. And it's hard just to believe that these teams were top five in Super Bowl odds nine months ago. And these right. teams met in the playoffs. And you could argue that when you were watching that game that the winner probably was going to go on and win the Super Bowl at the time. So uh, just such a fall from grace from uh, two teams, uh, especially the Rams uh, where Matthew Stafford and the passing offense is just non-existent as well. Um, I think he threw for 150 yards. That's the second game below 200 yards. Again, even though Cooper cup, you wouldn't even know he had an ankle injury runs for a 65 yard touchdown. So again, I, I just feel like uh, it's a lot more of the same. I don't really feel that great about the Bucks. Don't really feel very great about the Rams either going forward yeah it feels like two organizations that are trying to handle how do they handle success in recent years and I think for McVeigh this is a weird moment for him right like the stat coming in he's never been under 500 in his career until he lost week one to Buffalo um like Cam Akers that that whole dynamic is weird but still I mean I I 1000% agree with you like coming into this year that was a great game last year in the NFC divisional round weekend. And to see how these two teams have fallen off offensively is pretty mind blowing. 
we'll go to Green Bay and Detroit now before we get to the frozen pizza section. About but, no kidding. Yeah, this is like a frozen pizza setup, by the way, uh, that we're in the middle of here on my end. So uh, can't wait to own that one. Um, what's up with what's up, with Aaron Rodgers? Is this guy done? Lions with fifteen to nine, so they cover plus four. Brandon, you were on the Packers this week. What do you what do you have to say? Yeah, I mean. DeBunda got me on this one. We let the rookie come on and get me on his first pick head, but I feel pretty hard done on this one. Rodgers throws three interceptions in the red zone, but the first one we got tip pass at the goal line intercepted. So there's three or seven off the board. We get a touchdown pass to Christian Watson where he ends up ruled down by like a foot. Then we get interception after that in the end zone. So another score taken off the board, just, ridiculous set of results here. They they get down even after all that, the Packers are still have a chance to score at the end. They turn over and downs down near the red zone. Aaron Rodgers lost both of his top two receivers in this game, Romeo Dobbs and Curtin Watson. They both hurt. Aaron Jones got hurt. David Bakhtiari, the left tackle got hurt. And Rashawn Geary, their best defender went out. It looks like possible ACL, possible long-term injury here. We're done. Like the Packers, they absolutely could have won this game. 145 more yards, one four and fourth down, 0 of four on the red zone, three turnovers. They gave this game away. For once, Aaron Rodgers let his teammates down, not the other way around by the stats at least, but just those awful, unlucky interceptions. The Lions have been, I think in, in uh, our Action Network luck rankings, the Lions, as per Detroit rules, had been buried in the luck rankings for, for so long. So I think they got a lot of it back in this game here. I'm a little bitter about it. I feel like the Packers should have won this game. But three and six now, and they go to the Cowboys, Titans, Eagles next on the schedule. So that's going to be a rough spot. Five losses in a row. I think we're done here with the Packers. Like I don't see it happening. And Jill, you said the Rams maybe are still in the mix. I think the NFC playoff picture is a wrap. We got four yeah. division winners, Tampa, Atlanta, New Orleans, whoever it is, we're getting one out of that division. We got Minnesota. We got probably the Eagles. And then I think the wild cards is Philadelphia. You got the Giants and the Cowboys are the two wild cards. And then we'll get Seattle, San Fran look like. Those are the two teams, the one division winner, one wild card. However that shapes out, unless one of Seattle or San Fran really falls off at this point, or maybe the Giants really fall apart. I think we've got our seven NFC playoff teams, and we're just kind of jockeying for position at this, at this point. So, yeah, rough spot. Uh, put it this way. I think that we may be pushing the Packers and Rams down our list from now on. This was our uh, – uh, I was going to call it a Viking funeral, but I don't know. Can it be a Viking funeral in the division odds? Start to cash the odds there. Rogers, Jill, you, you just passed the stat here. First – Three interception game for Rodgers since 2017. I don't know, man. Glad to, glad to be the one that put the nail in Aaron Rodgers' coffin as a Vikings fan. It had to take the L to do it. Give the win to DeBondo and the Lions, and let's get out of here at the Packers. <laughs> Are they great? Well, I guess we can look right now because FanDuel should have the odds up. Are they a favorite this week against Dallas at home? They are not. They are, I believe, four-and-a-half-point underdogs. So, yeah, I I have already mentally prepared myself to have to possibly go back to the well again. Aaron Rodgers as a home underdog, by the way, 
we said that we're burying them in our uh, in our rundown. That's Sunday night next week. So we're going to all be right back here watching your <laughs> Rodgers uh, yet again. Well, look, look, between the Bucks, Rams, and the Packers, this is it. Like, that was three of the five Super Bowl favorites. I got a feeling these teams aren't going anywhere. They're going to be stuck on our televisions for the rest of the season, like they're not. Okay. I'm curious, with Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers, does the do bookmakers factor in the public – appreciation for him or has that at this point like you're getting at has that lost its steam because of a loss like today even the lions can knock down the great aaron Rodgers. okay time for the frozen pizzas i mean that was kind of a frozen pizza game for being honest we just wanted to spend some time on aaron Rodgers in the three interception game but uh let's cruise right through here i mean we're going right back to brandon c Adel does it again Unbelievable. This team, I mean, it's believable against Cliff Kingsbury, but they win 31-21. They cover plus two and a half, plus two. The look-ahead spot that Brandon gave out, three and a half. Brandon, you've been on the island. You've got a lot of you got a lot of folks visiting. It's like the new episode of uh, White Lotus coming out tonight on HBO. I mean, you're just you're you're a busy guy nowadays. Your resort is popping. It is popping. Seattle Island is booming. We're taking the show on the road to Germany next week to fix those decrepit bucks. I don't know if Tom Brady's even allowed to travel at this age across the across seas like this. But yeah, Seattle won by 10. The game was like close, but still felt well in hand. I thought most of the way toward the back half there. Seattle, just, uh, Kenneth Walker is really good, man. Kenneth Walker, especially, he seems to have that kind of Derrick Henry energy of just he, he is a closer. He can put the games away when things are close. And I love to, maybe it's just because I'm, I'm a little drunk on Seattle Island, but I saw it last week. Last week, Tyler Lockett had a big fumble and a big drop touchdown. And what happened? They went back to him. They went back late in the game, and he got the game-winning touchdown, I believe. And today, Geno Smith, this was maybe his worst game of the season. He had a pick six to Zayvon Collins, rough numbers. But he came through late. He had a couple big runs, got the legs moving. And we saw that with Pat Mahomes, not to compare Gino to Pat, but he came through. And like, there's just, I, I can't avoid this Pete Carroll USC college feel to this team where they just feel like they believe in each other. They got their backs and there's something happening, I think, with this team that is special. And they, they, the guys that are failing are making a mistake they're coming back to them and saying, okay, make up for it. We believe in you. Go make the play. And, boy, that's not happening with the Cardinals. Just sloppy mistakes, penalties, fumbles. I think they had four false starts at home in this game. And, by the way, in-season hard knocks. Arizona Cardinals, Cliff Kingsbury, baby. Wednesday night. Can't wait for that one. Joe Gallant, Las Vegas does not deliver. Josh McDaniels, I don't know if this head coaching thing is really his wheelhouse, but – uh Second half offense, not pretty for the Raiders. The Jaguars, who you absolutely ripped into last week. You see, he's like he's he doesn't even want to talk about it. He's so mad. 27 to 20. Jacksonville wins. Discussion. I'm mad because I got the I don't know. I got knocked off the podium of the CLV Olympics, basically, because I had Raiders minus one and a half. That line kept moving all week to about minus two and a half. Some books were even hanging a three you know, for the Raiders today. And they had one of the all-time melt jobs. They were firmly in control. they That's the third 17-point lead this season that they've blown. 
They're tied for the most 17 point leads this year, uh, blown leads this year. That's more than any other team in the NFL. Like, and you wasted an amazing game from Devontae Adams, who had, you know, going into halftime, he had nine catches, 120 yards, and two touchdowns. That's a banner game for like any other wide receiver in the NFL. And he finishes with 10 catches and 130 yards. Like, like they basically stopped going to him. They couldn't get the offense going. Um, yeah, I don't really want to talk about it more. I don't really feel like the Jaguars need much more time, but also the Raiders, they're done too. Okay, we'll stop. Miami, Chicago. Brandon, we talked about this on Future Friday. You went on the Bears earlier in the week, and then you said, ooh, could maybe dabble a bit on Tua for MP, as you discussed earlier in the show. And this game went according to plan. Bears lose 35-32, but they cover, and the Dolphins scored a lot of points. And Tua looked good doing it. It did. And you know what? The Bears look pretty good, too. This is a fun game. Like, I always go back on Monday and rewatch some of these games. Miami-Chicago, I think, is number one on the list. And who could have seen that coming? Justin Fields ran for 178 yards, which is a regular season record for a quarterback. Only Colin Kaepernick had more, and that was that playoff game. So Fields looks awesome. The Bears ran for 252 rushing yards. But yeah, Dolphins, when Tua plays... Another 300 yards and three touchdowns day, which frankly is pretty much his average the way that he's playing. But huge game, another huge EPA game. Tyree Kill, another monster game, 143 yards. Tyree Kill, OPOY tickets, feeling pretty good. Tua MVP tickets. By the way, that 39 to 1, still a great number. I know that you may have missed the 80 to 1, but that is a great number for us, I, I would say, as betters. Tua is 6 and 0 when he plays at least half the snaps. Miami is a half a game back now in the division. And I believe that makes them a half a game back in the race for the two seed. They could even be in the one seed mix now. So it's a bit unconventional, the two MVP thing, but I think you got to grab the ticket. They've got a couple easy games coming up next. I believe they still have the bye week to come in a week or two. That offense, that there's something about the speed and the way they're, they're diamond it up there. That something's cooking in Miami. The most fraudulent, confusing seven and one football team, the Minnesota Vikings. I can already see the headline in January. Vikings fall to Bucks in NFC divisional round weekend as Kirk Cousins throws fourth quarter interception, like something like that. I, I, I'm sorry, like like Jill, did, they keep winning. I guess we got to give them credit. Kevin O'Connell's doing something right there. They beat the Washington Commanders 20 to 17 on the road, six in a row, the Vikings. Yeah, I mean, it's rare that you watch a team win that many in a row, move to seven and one, and you kind of feel worse about them after the game. But there are some positives to take away from it. Like Justin Jefferson, he got back on track, 107 yards and a touchdown. TJ Hawkinson looked pretty good in a Vikings uniform, uh, seven catches, 90 yards, a couple of red zones. And what I found interesting is uh, – when Washington was up 17 to 10 and they were entering the fourth quarter, the commanders actually had like an 85% win probability and the Vikings showed, you know, three straight drives. They were able to turn it on. You know, I, I'm not sure if they could do it every game, but they were able to do it today. And cousins drove the offense two field goals, touchdown, take the lead pretty much seals the deal. And the commies, they do end up covering, um, but they probably should have won outright, but just Taylor Heineke just throws another backbreaking, awful interception 
And we got to see the funniest catch of the year. Curtis Samuel caught a touchdown in triple coverage and the safety got knocked down by the back judge referee. It was one of the funniest things I've seen all year. And uh, kudos to that, because that was the, one of the funnier things I've seen in the NFL this season. All right, let's finish up with these last two. These were absolute bores to watch. Horrible games. Patriots and Colts. New England wins 26 to three. Pats cover minus five and a half. Sam Ellinger. You ain't it. The Colts are not trying to win games, it looks like. No Jonathan Taylor in this game, Brandon. Um, New England, it's another kind of eh day of the offense. They get there, but this is more about the Colts and their ineptitude. I mean, all around ineptitude offensively. The Colts or the Patriots had a pick six touchdown, and they almost had a block punt touchdown. They had the ball to two on that. So that's 14 of their points. Otherwise, we had a nice 12 to three game here. Awful, awful, awful game. These teams combined for 122 plays for 324 yards. So that's 2.66 yards per play for the entire game. It's awful. The Colts were all 14 on third down. They ran 60 plays for 121 yards. So two yards of play for the entire game. Tell me again how Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan were the problem. The Colts are going to have to fire something new this week. They're running out of options. Yeah, come on, Frank. Right. Look yourself in the mirror. Big day for Joe Mixon on the ground. If you had Joe Mixon in season long or DFS, whatever, great day. 153 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, Jill, this was never a contest. Bengals blow out the Carolina Panthers 42-21. They easily cover the eight-and-a-half point spread. Yeah, absolutely. This game was over quickly, like 35 nothing at halftime. Bengals pretty much hit the over by themselves. It was at 42-and-a-half. They put, they put up 42 on by themselves, but uh, – this game, all really I took away from it was that how somebody who digests a lot of betting content out there and, and loves to hear different people's takes, just how recency bias can sometimes get a little out of control because a lot of people that I do respect and I follow, you know, they, we'd be talking and they'd be like, you know, PJ Walker might be good. You know, the Panthers, they might have something here. You know, the Bengals, without Jamar Chase, they can't really move the ball. And it's like, well... Actually, the complete opposite happened. P.J. Walker finishes the day uh, three or ten from the field for nine passing yards. Uh, his interception line this week was over one and a half. Uh, the only quarterback that had a one and a half line, not a 0.5 line. And it was at plus 165, which was lower than Aaron Rodgers to throw one pick today. Um, it's just a rarity that you see that kind of betting odds in that line. But other than that, um, Panthers are the Panthers. Bengals may not be dead. Yep, and Joe Mixon had a receiving touchdown too. 58 yards receiving and a touchdown through the air. 153 on the ground, four touchdowns. So to recap how we did on the Best Bets episode, six and three week. Nice job, guys. 46, 33 and two. How about Anthony DeBundo? That guy slides in for <laughs> Luke Swain for one week, Vegas refund. He goes three and oh. That's good. You know, the Phillies didn't win the World Series. So thanks to Bundo for coming in. Doing a great job. As a reminder, you can follow all of our picks in the Action app. You can follow our two accounts there, Sunday Six Pack, Action Network, NFL Picks. That's where Stucky's picks go. Raybon, Anderson, Jill, DeBundo, uh, and Vegas Refund. Okay, let's go to Monday Night Football. Ravens, Saints, Saints at home, home dog. Totals at 46.5 over at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Brandon, how do we want to dive into this game? What's, what's the angle what do, you want, what do you want to find out? Ravens make a big deal at the deadline, of course, too, to maybe bolster their defense. Yeah, that's what I want to start with. Roquan Smith comes in, and I think he's going to make a big difference right away. 
Baltimore had Ty's Bowser and David Ojabo practicing this week too. So those are both edge rushers that make a huge difference for this team, especially Saints offensive line has not been that great this year. So kind of remaking the entire linebacking crew, Baltimore's offense has been great. Super Bowl worthy. It's the defense that hasn't been good. So if the defense shows up here, Andy Dalton, nine and 16 ATS in primetime games, he has lost and failed to cover six in a row there. We remember the one a couple weeks ago against the Cardinals through back-to-back pick sixes and like one minute of each other. So I do like the spot for Baltimore here. I know they're missing some guys on offense. Mark Andrews, Gus Edwards, Todd Bateman is out for the year. But I like that that balances with the defense there. I talk about special team a lot. Ravens are number one special teams. The Saints are bottom three. So it's a pretty big difference too. Here's the problem. We've watched the Ravens this year, and what do we see? Late in games, they blow the lead. They've had those double-digit leads, and they blow it. And fourth quarter, they are dead last defensively in DVOA. The Saints have been the opposite. The Saints have been miserable offensively for three quarters, and then in the fourth quarter, they're number three on offense. So I don't want any part of a possible late collapse, late comeback, Saints, in the, you know, like – it's going to be rocking at home underdogs. I'm going to skip the fourth quarter. You've probably seen us a lot of action. I play the first half trend. So with that, Lamar Jackson is 65% against the spread in the first half for his career. So I like Lamar Jackson first half here. We'll take Ravens first half minus a half point and basically just go out and get the win Ravens in the first half. And then depending on how things go, I might look about, look at a live saints comeback. If, uh, if I like how the spot is shaping up late in the game. Okay. The record is 37-22-2, that Lamar first-half record. And this is from our own Evan Abrams at action. First half on the road, 29-1 and against the spread, Lamar Jackson. That is pretty damn good. You know, it's funny. Like, Brandon does basketball coverage for us. He covers the NBA on the Buckets podcast. We talk so much about Warriors third quarter. Well, Ravens fourth quarter is like the opposite of that. Ravens are 0-8 on the fourth quarter spread this season, which, like, I don't know how often people are betting quarter spreads, like, live in a game. But, yeah, I mean, I shouldn't shouldn't underestimate people. But, uh, yeah, stay away from the Ravens in that case. Jill, Alvin Kamara, has he uncovered something? I know you're not into big minus odds guy when it comes to touchdown scores, but minus 10, Alvin has found the end zone as of late, but who else jumps out at you for this game? Touchdown scores. Yeah, I mean, I think really it's it's a pretty boring answer, but Lamar Jackson is probably the best option right now just because you know that Gus Edwards isn't likely going to play, and the Saints' run defense has actually really regressed in just comparative year over year. Like last year, they were allowing like 93.5 rushing yards per game. They only allowed 12 rushing touchdowns total. Both of those were top five in the NFL. This year, they're middle of the pack. They've allowed seven rushing touchdowns already. Uh, They're on pace to probably about 16 to 17 rushing touchdowns uh, this year, just at this pace. And I think right now, Lamar is probably the best option uh, from a Ravens standpoint, maybe even Devin Duvernay as well. He scored a nice little rushing touchdown on a sweep uh, last week. Uh, but from a Saints standpoint, I need to see a little bit more from an injury standpoint of who's going to be playing. I, I, I am considering Jarvis Landry, but again, um, don't I'm not really considering too many guys over the middle or through the slot just because I do think the presence of Roquan Smith uh, will uh, disrupt that a little bit more. So I have to do a little bit more digging uh, before I conclude on who I'm taking with the Saints. 
Very good. Fair enough. And Lamar's odds, by the way, plus 145 over at FanDuel. It's a pretty pretty good number when you consider any way he can impact the game. But, of course, it's got to be a rushing score for his or catching you know, a touchdown, which I don't think that could happen, I suppose. You never know. Um, okay, very good. Well, there you go. That's the look for week nine. But, of course, we are not done until we look ahead to week 10. Let's kick off the hot read. Hot So in this segment, uh, the guys, usually Brandon, they're going to discuss a spread that they want to target a week in advance. And this, again, folks, isn't always so much about analysis of the matchup, but it's about anticipating line movement, a shift in the line before kickoff. And we want to get the best number. So Brandon's pick last week, you just I mean, every time you talk about Seattle, I'm like, is it a hot read? Is it a look ahead line? It's been heavy Seattle. Where are we going this week? I know Seattle here, not because I don't like them, just because it's not really a hot read shaped up pick here. But I give you two quick ones and then the real pick. So Steelers plus three at home against the Saints. That was our look ahead. I still like that. I'll get it before the Monday night game if you can. Go back and listen to that segment or read the article online. And also I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Vikings against the Bills. If you think that there's that Josh Allen injury out there, if you think that's a possible thing, there's a real chance to arb a little bit, get some CLV get a Vikings ticket now and come back on a Bills later, that sort of thing, if Allen ends up out. But I'm going to go in that division, though. We talked about the Dolphins. I'm, I'm big on the Dolphins here. I'm going to take Dolphins minus four against the Browns. And I just think that this is going to be a game where Miami puts up a big number, and I don't see Jacoby Brissett being able to keep up here. Browns are off the bye week, but I'm not sure that you necessarily teach Jacoby how to go swing the ball around during that off week. So Miami... The run defense has been all right. It's the pass defense there that gets lit up. And I, I don't really see Amari Cooper and Brissett lighting them up necessarily. Uh, the Browns, too. A lot of splits here that matter. Number one team at home offensively for DVOA, but they're on the road here. Only 15th on the road. Miami is number four at home. So much better split for them there. Miami is seventh at home on, def- on defense. 31st on the road. So big home road splits. And then the other one, we've talked all year, Miami, second quarter, fourth quarter. It's that speed that's killing you. That's when the offense is great. Browns defense, 31st in the second quarter, 30th in the fourth quarter. So I like some of those splits, the way this lines up. And I found this stat too. So the last time we saw the Browns was that Monday night Halloween game, big win over the Bengals. So this is a little bit of a niche stat. I'll, I'll grant it, but so road underdogs, like the Browns here, that are three to seven points underdog that are coming off the bye and covered by seven or more their last game. So I know it's a lot of little contingencies there, but those teams, five and a 14 ATS, the last five lost by 18 or more points. They're, by the way, one and 18 straight up, which is a terrible record for underdogs that are only three to seven points. They should be winning way more than that. 12 of the 19 lost by double digits. So I think it is a spot where the last we saw, we had a good taste from the Browns. They got the home up at win. They crushed the Bengals. We're feeling kind of okay about them. They're probably feeling themselves a little bit. I think this is a reality check, and I like the Dolphins to win big. So minus four. I see this getting maybe closer to minus six by kickoff. So I'm going to grab the line before it gets too high here. Excellent. Jill, any thoughts for for next week? Any look-ahead spot? Are you – 
You nothing, nothing jumping out to you. I live my life a quarter mile at a time, my friend. I do not, uh, I do not okay. do that. That is a great way to wrap up this show. And let me tell you why. Because I have a Fast and the Furious blanket on. How about that? Now my audio sounds like crap again. But that's just to kind of paint the picture for everybody that is listening. I have a blanket over me tonight to help my audio sound better. So on that note, we're going to close it out. Thank you to Jill Gallant, Brandon Anderson, our producer, David Payne, who has done a good job dealing with my situation and these guys as well. Thank you all so much for tuning in as always. As a reminder, I want you all to remember that basketball season is well underway. If you're looking to bet some NBA, uh, check out Action Network's NBA betting podcast, Buckets, episodes every weekday. They drop every weekday. Stay caught up with every angle our NBA betting expert on. You can listen to Buckets wherever you get your podcast. Just hit that subscribe button. The Action Network podcast, as it pertains to NFL coverage, we return with our best bets episode on Thursday. You all have a great rest of your week nine. Enjoy Monday Night Football. Good luck, and thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. The Action Network podcast, presented by FanDuel.